everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Let me begin with just a word of prayer. Father, I have your message to say, and I know that you're going to use my vocal cords to communicate your truth. Thank you for the results of this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been said that we're only as sick as our secrets. And when you think about it, that's so, so true. Think about the word vulnerability for a second. Think about what it means. Vulnerability, when I throw the word out, most of us think it's synonymous with weakness. If you're weak, you're vulnerable. If you're vulnerable, you're weak. Vulnerability is valuable. That's right. Vulnerability leads to connectedness. We think otherwise. We say, oh, if I'm vulnerable, if I share my secrets with others, what's on the loop in my mind, what's number one on my playlist, the inadequacies that I feel, the, the things that I deal with, if I share all of those inadequacies with others, people will reject me. I'll have a disconnectedness. God is a God of vulnerability. Think about it for a second. God, totally and completely vulnerable, sending Jesus to live a sinless life, to die a sacrificial death. I would argue that when Jesus hung on Calvary, paying the price for your sins and mine, that was the most vulnerable act in the universe. Thereby giving us the opportunity to know God through Christ. Only when we're vulnerable enough to admit the truth from our whole heart, only when we have courage enough to say, you know what, this is my junk, this is my funk, I turn from that and turn to you, God, then and only then we discover what true vulnerability is all about. So during this series, we're talking about vulnerability. If you're like me, you've got secrets. If you're like me, you've got inadequacies. If you're like me, you have some inferiority. Have you ever thought about the inferiority complex? People say that. Or you might say, I feel so inferior to her. I feel so inferior to him. We've all said that. In certain social situations, we might feel inferior. Certain places we go, we might feel inferior. Certain stores we frequent, we might feel inferior, inferior. When I'm inferior, I'm really on the ride of pride because I'm focused on myself. So I would say that when I have an inferiority complex, I am as prideful as someone who is king testosterone or queen estrogen. I'm as prideful as someone who's like, in your face. Vulnerability. What's going through the recesses of your mind? Vulnerability. What are you afraid to share, to articulate with others? Vulnerability. Your secret is your strength. You're only, though, as sick as your secret. Why do we have this feeling of vulnerability? It goes back to rejection. Think about Adam and Eve. You remember Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. Everything was perfect. God was their blank, right? 
they, they were looking to God for their props, for their, for their esteem. They saw themselves the way God saw them, nothing more, nothing less. They chose to rebel against God. They chose to sin. One day I heard that Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel, were, were playing, and they crawled up on a wall, and they looked, and they saw paradise. They saw the most beautiful spot on earth. And they were like, whoa, look at this. So they ran home to their father, Adam, and they said, Adam, Dad, we saw the most gorgeous place we've ever seen in our life. Do you think we could live there one day? And Adam dropped his head and said, we used to, but your mother ate us out of house and home. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Man and woman, right, dropped the ball. They were rejected from the garden. For the first time, they looked to something else to fill in the blank of their lives. We've been experiencing rejection ever since. We try to put different things in the blank as opposed to God. We have a blanking crisis. The bailout is Jesus, and he works every single time. Over the next several, over the next several sessions, we're going to talk about the blanks. I'm not blank enough. Just, just, just fill it in. We all have those blanks. Well, today, we're going to look at one that every single person deals with. I would argue, over the ensuing weeks, we're going to look at blanks that we all deal with. Vanna White, you know Vanna White. You've heard of Vanna White, right? She's like the game show host girl, right? The game show host beauty. She hails from South Carolina. That's where my wife was born. So I want Lisa to come up and, and press the button, right? And we're going to see what we're going to talk about today. Because we're going to spin the dial, and Lisa, my lovely wife of 30 years, is going to press the button, and wherever the dial lands, that's what I'm going to talk about. Are you ready? Let's give her some encouragement. Here we go. I'm not good enough. You ever said that? I have. Is that the number one song on your playlist? It's been right up there on my playlist. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You walk through the halls of your school, I'm not good enough. You walk on the soccer field, I'm not good enough. You walk on the platform to preach, I'm not good enough. You see a patient, I'm not good enough. You work on something, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Good isn't good enough. Let me say it again, good isn't good enough, but God is God enough. Good isn't good enough, but God is God enough. And that's what we're going to find out today. This is going to be a very uplifting and very, very empowering series of messages. I'm not good enough. We play that game. So what do we do when we play that game? We play games around the game. So we say, I'm not good enough, and if we really were vulnerable, we would share that with others. You know, I feel like I'm not good enough, but most of the time, we don't share that. We play games. Maybe you play a game that I play called the lame game. 
the lame game. The lame game is the performance trap. Okay, I'm going to be good enough. So I'll perform, and I'll hit this level. I'll do A, B, C, one, two, three, and if I'm a good boy or a good girl, if I score the touchdown or have the acclaim or a certain amount of followers on Twitter or, or, or if I make a certain amount of money or, or have the corner office, then I'll be good enough. Am I the only one that thinks that? I'll be good enough. I'll be good enough. I can perform my way in. Then those here who are Christians, we do the same thing in the Christian life. I know what God, I'll just read a chapter of the Bible a day. A chapter away a day keeps the devil away. A chapter a day keeps the devil away. So I'll, I'll read that. And, okay, and I'm also praying, God, I'm praying every day, like five to ten minutes. Some of you are going, I'm praying 30 minutes a day. And I'll perform my way, and God will say, wow, Ed, you're a good guy. You performed. And, and that was a really good message, you know. You didn't have any, any, any weird uh, tangents in that message, and, and it, was, it was really articulate, and, and, and people responded, and, you know, some people clapped, and, hey, you were speaking uh, this past uh, uh, weekend in Arkansas, and you got a standing ovation. Wow. Woo! I feel good because I'm good enough. I guess that moment, I... good isn't good enough. God is God enough. You'll never get to that point in your life. I'll never get to the point in my life where good is good enough. It's a performance trap. It's lame. You'll limp through life. Pressure bust a pipe. It should take the pressure off. I don't have to perform. I don't. There's nothing I can do right now to cause God to love me any more or any less. Nothing. Nothing. I talked to a guy the other day who attends Fellowship Church. He goes, Ed, I've got a problem. I've got an identity crisis and an energy problem. I don't know who I am, and I'm too tired to figure out who I am. <laughs> and sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We play the lame game. What's God's answer to the lame game? Justification. Justification. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, it's like we haven't even sinned. We're justified through faith, a faith decision. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're trying to prove your worth through performance, it's a trap, it's a treadmill going nowhere. Stop being tread militant. Get off the treadmill and say, God, <laughs> I realize I'm justified. That's a cool thing. Another game we play is the name game, the name game, the name game. A lot of students are playing the name game right now. A lot of adults are playing the name game right now. If I can impress certain names, then I'll be good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So I'll hang out with the right people who have the right name, the right last name. Am I the only one? <laughs> I went back to a high school reunion a couple of years ago, and Lisa and I were walking around. I'm looking at name tags. I'm like, <laughs> I was trying to impress you. You? I, 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 I was trying to get, what? <laughs> it's crazy. We got in the car and drove home after it. And we're like, man, can you believe it? Names, names. We did the same thing as adults. Oh, if I can hang out with this person, with this name, or, or yeah, that'll, that'll do it for me, the name game. The name game, again, is a formula for frustration. 
We've got to play for an audience of one. That's God. An audience of one. The name game is not going to work. Once you get in the club, the club changes, the club moves, and it's, 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 it's just not going to happen for anyone here. So you're wasting your time. I'm wasting my time in the name game. What's God's answer? Reconciliation. Colossians chapter 1, 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God. That's right, we're all born with a blank, right? A spirit of rejection. And you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. It's a synetic condition that we all have. No one taught me how to reject God or sin. I just know how to do it. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. So when you hear the tapes, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough going on in your mind, that's the enemy in your mind and in my mind. If we argue with the enemy, we go, man, you're right, I'm not good enough. And I've said that before, wow, you're right, I'm not good enough. But don't waste your time arguing with the enemy, just point the enemy to God. Because God's gonna say, oh, Ed, <laughs> yes, he's good enough. Because when I see Ed, I see Jesus. Are you feeling me? Just direct him to God. Because if you're a follower of Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Something we don't deserve. We'll never be good enough to merit what God did because good isn't good enough. Our goodness always falls short. God made up the distance by sending Jesus to reconcile us to God through what he did in the most vulnerable act of history. We play the lame game, the name game. Another one, the blame game. Yeah, we blame. Blame our parents. Blame the weather. Blame our geography. Blame genetics. The blame game. We blame, we blame, we blame. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed Eve. And basically, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. So everyone's blaming. That's pretty funny. First John, thank you. Chapter 2, verse 2. What's God's answer? Propitiation. Hard word to say. It's a theological term. Propitiation. What's propitiation? God's wrath has been satisfied. I don't have to punish myself when I mess up. I don't have to punish others. I'll punish myself, and then I'll put those same standards on others. God says, Prussia, bust a pipe. What are you doing? What are you doing? 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. God's wrath has been satisfied. I don't have to pour off my wrath on others. I don't have to pour off my wrath on myself. It's been satisfied. Jesus took the punishment for your sins and mine in the ultimate act of vulnerability. So he's a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. That reminds me of what happened to me several months ago. I saw this elephant, and this elephant was supposedly tame. There was an elephant trainer with this elephant. There were some stanchions around the elephant, 
And this elephant was, was tied with this little rope around one of his hind legs. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if that elephant knew that it was an elephant, it could take out that rope and just break out like that. But obviously the elephant didn't know. Well, I made the foolish error of saying to the trainer, hey, uh, could I have my picture taken with the elephant? I like put it on Instagram, you know, and connect it to Twitter and all that. Because I've never had my picture taken with an elephant. I've never touched an elephant before. He goes, yeah, come on, come on. So I crossed over the stanchions and I'm standing there and this thing, of course, is massive. It's an elephant. So he said, okay, just, just, just stand to the right of, of her and, 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 and her trunk will kind of drape over your shoulder and just be still and, and then, you know, we'll get the picture. So I handed the trainer my phone, told him about Instagram, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just standing there talking like this. All of a sudden, this elephant, I don't know what happened, just bumped me, knocked me off my feet into the air. I'm sprawled on the concrete. I'm thinking, okay, this thing is going to stomp me now. Praise God she didn't. But she let me know, hey, I'm an elephant. It was scary. Ripped my jeans, scratched my back. I'm telling you, the power of these animals, they're, they're, they're just, it's crazy power. I've never been hit that hard in my life. Just boom, like that. The elephant was standing there in these little stanchions because the elephant had a whack perception of her power. I'm sure as a little baby elephant, she'd been kept there and she could, you know, she could be corralled when she was small. Now she's a big honking elephant. But she doesn't realize that she's truly an elephant. Her perception is whacked. So she has this little rope she's tethered to, but all she would have to do if she realized the truth is, could it be that you're that way? Could it be that I'm that way? Tied up with a little rope? My perception of truth is whack. Yeah, I can't break that. I can't break that good, is it good enough mentality. I can't break all the games I've been playing. What? You don't realize who you are. So often I don't realize who I am because I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough is going over and over and over in my mind. Who are you? I'll tell you who we are. Who are you? I'll tell you who we are. We're saints. Let's talk about an app session right now. Three aspects of this app session. Number one, you're a saint. What? Yeah, I didn't stutter. You're a saint. Recognize your sainthood. Recognize your sainthood. Now, now some of the Catholics here, how many of you like grew up Catholic or have gone to the Catholic church? Good, awesome, okay. Now, the Catholics, if you live like this life, this, this good, when you die, when you clock out, after you clock out, if they decide you're going to be a saint, they'll canonize you and call you saint whatever, okay? Problem. It's not biblical. My Bible tells me that every single person, check this out, every single person who's a follower of Christ is a saint. Is that nuts or what? Ed, prove it to me, man. Okay, I'm just, I'm just reading the Bible. 
Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints, say it with me, saints, it's Christians in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So you're either a saint or an ain't. You're not like, oh, I'm almost a saint. No, no, no. If you have made the faith decision, if the righteousness of Christ has been imputed into your life, you're a saint. Why isn't that cool? I'm a saint. We don't realize who we are. I'm an elephant. I'm a saint. Now, if you're an ain't, many of you are maybe you're ain'ts here at our different locations. I believe today you'll become a saint. I'm talking about that just moments before the first service, driving here, I'm a little bit late, my phone rings, pick it up, it's a friend of mine who's totally far away from God, totally disconnected, was involved in drugs, alcohol, crazy stuff, trying to fill the blanks in with all sorts of things. He'd been to fellowship, I think, two times in his life. So I, I was texting him, I do that now and then, and inviting him to, to our church, and he goes, Ed. He goes, man, it's good to hear your voice. He goes, you won't believe what's happened. I go, what? He said, you know, I always thought that God was in nature. So I worked out outside all the time, ride bikes and run. He said, I just came to a point in my life recently where I gave my life to Christ. He said, it's crazy. He said, I, I don't have the desire to party, to get high anymore. It's like, wow. I said, Roger, that is fantastic. I said, let me tell you something, man. The most important thing for you to do is get involved in the only thing Jesus ever built, the local church. I said, granted, I'm partial. I think Fellowship Church is the best church in the world, but there's some other churches out there. He goes, oh, no, no, man, I'm, I am in fellowship. So next Sunday, Roger will be in the house. How cool is that? And I don't know how he came to that decision. I know he'd watched this on television some, online, and he'd been to church a couple times, but man, he's a saint now. Saint Roger. Saint Ed. Saint Lisa. What's your name? Saint Stacy. Saint Chris. Wow. Let's start calling each other saints. I like that. Saints. So we recognize our sainthood. I'm telling you, this is a positive series. This is empowering to me because I'm tired of saying good isn't good enough, good isn't good enough, good isn't, I, I, I struggle with that. Everybody does. The second part of this app, rely on your resources. Rely on your resources. Ephesians 1, 3, praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with, say this phrase with me, every spiritual blessing in Christ. One more time. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many here need more patience? Come on. How many here need more wisdom? How many here need more faith? All of us are liars. Every single person. I just lied in front of you. I don't need more. I don't need more of that. You don't either. I don't need any more patience. Wisdom or faith, you don't either. What? Well, I just read to you what the Bible says about your resources and mine. We have everything we need. We have all the patience we need. 
We have all the wisdom we need, and we have all of the faith we need. All we've got to do by faith is access that each and every day. We've got it all. We've got it all. We've got every blessing if we're a follower of Christ, if we're a saint. Now, if we're an ain't, that's a whole nother situation. But if you're a saint, we don't need anything else. We got it. Why? We got Jesus. He's in your life and mine. The third part of this app, I think I'm blowing some of your minds. It blew my mind, too, as I was studying for this. Like, wow, I'm a saint? What? I don't have to worry. I, I need more. No, I've got patience. I've got the... Because I've got Jesus. So, I either access that or not. I mean, that, that's my choice. Okay. Here's another one. Rest on your relationship. The last part of this app, number three. Rest on your relationship. We're adopted, the Bible says, into the family of God once we receive Christ. We're adopted. We're not talking about foster care. We're talking about adoption. Back in biblical times, you could disown a biological child. You could not disown an adopted one. We're adopted into God's family. Now I'm going to read to you Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And we're going to talk about the tension between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. No one knows the sovereignty of God, where the sovereignty ends and where free will begins, or where free will ends and sovereignty begins. No one knows. We cannot wrap our finite pea brains around it. God is God. His ways are higher than our ways. But here's what God says. Look at this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. I'm picked on God's team. I'm the first round draft choice. I don't deserve it. It takes me 10 years to run the 40. I can't even bench press my weight. Maybe I can crank out a pull-up or two. My vertical jump is like, what, 13 inches? I'm the first round draft choice. Wow. And God chose me before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. I'm blameless. So again, if the enemy goes, oh, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Ed, you're not good enough. Who are you to preach? You're not good enough. Who are you? Who, who, are, you? who are you to say? Who are you? We say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to argue with you because it's right. I'm not good enough. Talk to God about it. And God's going to say, whoa. He has, she has the righteousness of Christ. They're blameless and holy. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will. Wow. Powerful stuff. Do you have a whack view of truth or do you know who you are? There's a guy in the Bible named Mephibosheth back in the Old Testament. Stay with me. Mephibosheth, put your thinking caps on was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. I'm talking about Psycho Saul. King Saul was the man highly jealous of David. You know David, the giant killer. Tried to kill David. Strangely, Jonathan and David were best friends. They made a blood covenant together. Slit their arms, exchanged blood, and a blood covenant basically said, David, everything that I have is yours. 
And David said, Jonathan, everything that you have is mine. This goes on for generations and generations. The blood covenant. Well, King Saul dies. Jonathan dies. There's a new king in town, David. David takes the throne, and the first thing he does in his administration is he goes, hey, hey, is there anyone left in King, in king Saul's household? Everybody goes, oh, no, no, because they knew David was going to open up a can, right? An old servant named Ziba said, yes, yes, there is, king. Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, you know the one that was dropped by a nanny, the one who's crippled? He survived. They've taken him away, and he's cloistered away in a hideout. Because he knows what's coming. David said, get Mephibosheth. Now think about Mephibosheth for a second. Crippled, physically challenged, can't walk, can't play with the other kids. He's in this hideout, and he knows one day the knock will come on the door. He knows that David's going to get him and kill him. And sure enough, he sees the Bentley and Rolls chariots coming down his street. He knows his curtains. Hey, is Mephibosheth here? I'm Mephibosheth. So they pick Mephibosheth up, bring it to David. He's lying there on the floor. David's looking at him. And, and, and Mephibosheth says, David, I'm a dead dog. I'm a dead dog. I'm nothing. And David looks at him and he says, Mephibosheth, you are like my son now. You are going to sit at my table. You can tap in to my resources. David was a multi billionaire. You will live at the palace. Not because of just you. I mean, I like you and all that. But because of the covenant I cut with your father, Jonathan. Because your grandfather was the king. You were talking about someone who was lame. You were talking about someone who had the wrong name. You're talking about someone who had every reason to fall into blame. Mephibosheth. The next morning he woke up, silk sheets, servants all around him. They wheel him down to breakfast. He's sitting there. You can't tell his legs are lame because of the linen tablecloth. And he's looking around. He sees David. He said, King, will you pass me the grits? I threw that part in. <laughs> and as David reached for the marmalade or whatever, he saw that scar on his arm signifying the blood covenant. Mephibosheth knew, wow, I'm here because of the blood covenant. Not because of what I've done, but because of who I am. What's been done for me. We're Mephibosheth. We've fallen. We've sinned. We're lame. 
And we play that lame game, don't we? Limping through life. We got the wrong name, but once we're adopted, man, we're saints. Really, my name is Ed Christian. And that's what your name is. Blame, Christ has taken the blame on the cross as he spilled his blood in the most vulnerable act in the history of the world. Good isn't good enough, but God is God enough. Would you pray with me? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Father, I know there's a lot of people here like my friend Roger. Maybe you've been trying to find God. Maybe someone's invited you here and you've been trying to fill your blanks with things instead of God. Your blank is for God. And if you want to make God number one in your life, it's by faith. Even if you have just a little bit of faith, the faith of a mustard seed, you can do it. Just say these words with me. Here and all of our different locations. Just say these words with me to yourself. Just say, dear God, I want to tell the truth about myself. I admit my vulnerability to you. I turn from my sins, God. I admit to you what you already know. I turn from my sins and turn to you. I believe, God, you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and to rise again, something I don't deserve. And right now, I'll just say this right now, I give you my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. If you said that, Christ has infiltrated your life. You're a saint, not an ain't anymore. You have resources that are unlimited that you can access. You have a relationship. You're adopted into the family of God. You're part of the church. That's the greatest thing that you'll ever do. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.